Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The award-winning Crunch Time. Hands it to Windhager. Hands it to Owens. Got it in the pocket. Needs to be good. Oh, perfect. Didn't go for goal. Or maybe he did, but he found Higgins. And Higgins kicks the goal. So the opening goal to the Saints. Danaher, who instantly Ooh. goes with a real wobbler inside 50. Maybe the chaos might work. Because Hipwood, lovely gather and snap. What a fine exhibition of skill from Eric Hipwood. In the middle, Owens was able to take it out of the ruck. Kick the Saints forward. Andrews had the run at it. Coleman got in his way. Caminiti released. Butler steadies and surely goal. He does. Saints with the instant reply. Fletcher cut it off. Gave it up to Bailey. Bombs it up. Charlie Cameron's out the back. He's going to get his first on the bell. Charlie Cameron finishes the night for Brisbane. They bank a 28-point win. And unfortunately, the Saints couldn't conjure a performance to match the occasion of Spud's game. The Lions return to the top three. They keep touch with the pointy end of the ladder. Yeah, it was a it was a dour sort of a game. Um, um, what I was most pleased about was we were able to win in a, ga- a game that was played like that because probably um, we don't necessarily get associated with those sorts of wins, the Brisbane Lions. But what I loved about our game tonight was our de- was our defence. Uh, we kept them to a small number of um, inside 50s, um, uh, which is really pleasing. The Lions win against type and move to outright thirds. A tough defensive display keeps Brisbane position for a run at the top two. Co-captain Lockie Neal joins us. No, not unless they listen. No, not, not for mine. I wouldn't have thought. You know, we played a pretty good team tonight. And last week we could easily won. We stuffed up 10, 15 minutes. So I think we're still in pretty good shape, aren't we? Like I just look around the competition. It's... I didn't expect us to go through 22 and 0. Am I disappointed with tonight for our fans and members and the Spud game? Yeah, for sure. But some of the things Brisbane did didn't surprise me. Did I think we'll handle a bit better? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not looking at um, that's the same year and the same event. No. Do the Saints still look like a top eight team? Can it be improved or is this a familiar back half collapse? It's the question already causing plenty of friction. Spargo knocked it down. Smith came the other way. Guthrie stolen outside of the boot. Gave it a great look. Rowan on the loose ball. May the other way. Rowan kept it going. Dropped May. Opened a goal. Kicked it. Cats are spinnakers to the win. He took the heat. He rolled it to Stengel. He opens it up with a handball to Duncan. He couldn't, could he? From 50, bounce, trickle, wobble, roll, goal! Cats look unstoppable. And Geelong final quarter onslaught keeps them in the season on a night of incidents and accidents that has prompted all manner of debates. This is the round 15 edition of Crunch Time.
Ross says it's apples and oranges. By the end, Chris Fagan was eating chocolate cake. That's the tale of losing and winning on a Friday night. Crunch time is for the Berwick Motor Group. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group and Ozito, powering DIYers all day Every day at Bunnings. Stuart Waitley, David King is with me on Crunch Time. Hello to you, Kingy. G'day, G. G'day, lads. G'day, everyone. Uh, fantastic, isn't it? I just, I love seeing Brisbane play like that last night. I, I think they're, they've become a better version of themselves over the decisions they've made, the tough decisions and the tough calls they've made the last couple of weeks. And these kids, these kids are exciting. And they're, they're being given more scope to, to influence and impact games. And, and they're delivering on their end of the deal. It's exciting for Brisbane fans. Leon Cameron's back with us on Crunch Time today. Leon, great to have you on board. Jared Kingy, how are you? Great, Sam, man. how are you? Going well? Very yeah. well. What you make of last night? Yeah, look, I think uh, as Kingy touched on, it's a it's a brave decision a few weeks ago with you know with Rich going out of the team and Gunston as well, but adding in you know young Fletcher. I mean, just watching Fletcher last night rip that ball out. I can't remember who his hands was. It was just he's there to play. He's a first year player. He's exciting. You know, we talk a lot about Ashcroft, but I think that adding that youth to their side has really propelled them in the last couple of weeks. And Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. Hello to you, Sam. Afternoon, gents. Afternoon, everyone listening this afternoon. I don't know. There's a bit to take out of the first two offerings around 15, isn't there, Jerry? But I loved, if we're speaking about things we loved the morning after, Eric Hipwood. When he plays like that, when he plays like the presence, and when he plays with the passion and the energy to crash packs. All those other athletic gifts he has just make him a dangerous package. Four of his team's 12 goals. There was a lot to like about him, not just last night, but the last few weeks as well. So it's not about setup, Kingy, when your two best players, one is Eric Hipwoods and the other is Harris Andrews. That sort of works. Oh, Harris Andrews. Well, mm. What they've done, again, I'm looking forward to talking to Leon about this because the changes that they've made have only been minor, but they've had a major influence. So, so Harris Andrews not necessarily playing on the best opposition key forward. He's playing on the second best and rolling off uh, when it suits him. And he's such a good reader of the flight of the ball so early. And, and his, his contested marking is, has always been a, a feature of his game. But now he's not having to worry as much about his direct opponent until it becomes a problem, until he hits the scoreboard and you need to you know clamp for a little while. But to take nine intercept marks... And just basically render the Saints forward half useless as one a one man wall. It was just there's something about Leon having having that stability behind the ball for the for the coaching group and the players to know that we'll be okay if we get a few things wrong in the way we play because Harris will save us. Yeah, exactly right. It changes running patterns for midfielders and half forward flankers, and so they're knowing that all of a sudden they can chance themselves a little bit. They can either. You know, their balance around the contest, they can run forward a little bit so they can just chance themselves and knowing that Andrews is there. But I probably just want to touch on, I think Jack Payne's mm. been a bit under unheralded this year. I mean, he's been, he's had a fantastic year. It's probably taken him three or four years to solidify his spot. And clearly they're going to him as the go-to to shut down the key forward of every opposition player which allows Andrews to do what he does. and uh, But Payne also wins his own footy as well. So, he, look, those two big key defensive posts are intact at Brisbane and, you know, uh, Neil and Ashcroft and, you know, all the midfielders of, of Brisbane know all of a sudden we're probably going to be a fair chance to mark this or intercept mark this so we can make a move already two or three seconds ahead of the opposition. The chaos ball inside forward 50 
if if the game maps out really basic and it's long down the line and then long into your forward fifty, I don't really know if that suits Danaher and Hipwood because they're just different players. Mm. They're, they're, they're random players, and then when the ball's bobbling around, no one really knows. That snap they did on the the right foot was classic Eric. Not really knowing how this is going to finish, but just rolling along with it anyway. Yep. Next thing you know, he's knocking through the big <laughs> sticks. And you go, is that, is that, is that Eric Hipwood? Um, I, I think their front half game, it, it is how they want to play the game. That's how they want it to look. And I think with those two wild card forwards, um, guys, it really suits them. And not, not as basic. I don't know. They can't be Tom Hawkins and, and, and Jeremy Cameron. They can't. They're just not... They're not structural players as, as, as much as you want them to be, Leon. It probably frustrates uh, the coach at times. But in those random plays, they become 30% better uh, forward 50 options. Yeah, they do. And I think, I mean, if you look at Danaher, Danaher's that – I don't say this in a bad way. He's a, he's a bit loose in terms of he wants to play on instinct. And when he plays on natural instinct, things happen, whether that's a freakish goal, uh, whether it's a freakish mark, the structured – side of it. It's probably there for a bit and it would frustrate Fags every now and again, no doubt. Um, and Hipwood's a little bit the same. And um, But I mean, playing the two last night, I thought was really, really interesting. Um, they didn't have that resting ruck from the start. They had him as a sub. Um, and so they all of a sudden, they, their ground level pressure was always there. And it's always been good when Cameron and um, you know the like and Bailey, uh, they, all, they all get to work at ground level and McCarthy and all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing better when you're too big players are big focal points and when the ball does hit the ground there's nothing better than having a forward that can find one or two of his scoring opportunities from a freaky situation in amongst traffic what do you think leon would have happened to the dynamic of the team with the shake-up around gunston and rich those two players are still around the group we had the the details last night they're doing all the training and then they're getting the the full physical load in addition to that but that injection of youth Maybe the acknowledgement that a couple of the established names just aren't playing good enough footy. What, what do you reckon that sort of shake-up does to the dynamic of a group? Well, it, it's it's it, it's just a massive ripple effect to everyone, especially when you're you know, the other side of 28 or 29 because you, you, you can't take your spot for granted. And, and, and the game's so hard. And when you've been playing for so long, and Jack Gunston's been an unbelievable player for Hawthorne, and now he's obviously moved up to Brisbane, and things haven't worked out as, as such so far. Look, And we might see, you know, a really good end to the year with Jack. And Rich has been a wonderful warrior for Brisbane. But when you get to that 30 side, you know, on the other side of 30, the game becomes a little bit harder. You just drop away in some some pace, and then all of a sudden, if you're getting found out two or three weeks in a row, huge decisions by the coach because they're so loyal. You know, you want to be so loyal to your your players that have gone to war, especially interstate where people stay. You know, Richie's would have had so many offers to go back to WA over his time, and so Fags would be really loyal towards him because he's done so much to that footy club. So that would have been a hard decisions, but once those decisions are made, that ripple effect. Geez, our, our spot's not safe. We need to find a little bit more. Whether that's defensively, I'm now jumping on someone's boot. I'm spoiling with a little bit more aggression. My my concentration has just absolutely gone through the roof. I'm not taking this game for granted. All those things come into it, and you can clearly see. And then when you add a little bit of youth, as we spoke about, young Jasper Fletcher, he just comes on and just plays. He just plays. And so that mix... And that uh, creates a different spirit, and so all of a sudden they've found that in the last few weeks. So, so what does that look like in a in a real time 
trackable sense. You look at the pressure in the forward half, and Leon touched on it a moment ago. I think when when you're moving Gunston out of your team because he can't put pressure on, you're saying to the those that are surviving the guillotine, the selection angst, hey, if you don't do this, we, we're prepared to we're prepared to pull the cord here and have you out of the team. So last night they got. 46 points from forward half turnovers. So being able to put pressure on the opposition. 16 scores they got. Mm. That's their most for the year. That stuff doesn't happen unless you elevate as the year goes on. And however you do it, and I keep coming back to how Richmond brought in Marlon Pickett a few years ago and created such energy to a team that was already there. Brisbane are already there. They're not looking for a new system or three players to stand up and be wild cards. They've got the talent. They're just looking for a bit of, I guess it's a, 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 their own, create their own enthusiasm or another reason, and you know, a, a standard that goes that permeates through the group. And there's only one way to do that. It's play kids and hold those that are embedded in the team to, to higher standards and accountability. And I think that's what dropping, essentially dropping Rich and Gunston has done. I don't know how they get back into the team. I mean, they're not playing at the moment and they're doing a training block but their spots have been serviced so well in the, the immediate two weeks. I know there's there's a long way to go. But right now, I, I think Chris Fagan would be pleasantly supl- surprised with what Fletcher's been able to do and what it's done to the, to the, those on the edges. Lohman's another one we, we don't talk enough about. I think he's a high-quality half-forward. And Wilmot going to half-back yeah. has changed their whole back line. Their, their ability to run and carry now. I mean, he took that big run down the wing. I haven't seen a Brisbane player do that for 15 years. And Butler and Higgins kept under control as well. So not just about the key backs and the glut of intercept marks from Harris, but their smalls are really good as well. And they bashed them at the contest too, by the way. It was a 2010 at halftime, I think, from clearance. Five of their last nine at the Gabba and one more in Queensland, being the, the game against the Sun. So they've got the three travels, Melbourne at the MCG, Fremantle in Perth and Collingwood at Marvel. So those four points were so important last night to keep in touching distance of that top two and then mount their challenge to see if they can grab the home qualifying final in the back nine rounds of the season. Is there a reason why they, they couldn't get that game to the MCG? What was the reason in the end? Oh, the AFL just don't shift games anymore, basically. That's yeah. a relic. That's a, that's a thing of the past. Gee, it would have been happen. good to have Collingwood and Brisbane at the MCG, wouldn't it? Just to give them another opportunity there. Another, It'll be a huge crowd. Yeah, I actually think Brisbane will take the game at Marvel because the four points matters yeah. more than the experience. They <laughs> yeah. get a look at Melbourne at the MCG. They've got a problem with the MCG, though, Jared. Yeah, but that's I'd why I don't the want both of them there if I'm them. If did. your problem lasts, you miss eight points. I did have a little chuckle over uh, Fags. You know, we're four and four on the road. You know, we've got a bad rap on the road. But if you follow World Sport, the Denver Nuggets, you know, they were 19 and 22 on the road in the NBA and they won the championship. The only problem for Fags with that comparison is that the grand final, or at least parts thereof, aren't played at the Gabba. They're played at the MCG. The Nuggets have got four games on their own court. They are, they are going to be two games clear in fourth. So I don't, I don't think the wins are as important. It sounds ridiculous. I, I, I think the... They can still go to the MCG and win. They did it last year in a final. In a final. Yeah. So I don't think it's it holds the fears. I just like the experience. Are these, you know, it's a major floor. You've got to go through Chicago, Drew. You've got to win at the MCG. It's great to win at Marvel. Terrific. But it doesn't doesn't build the belief that winning at the G does. Lockie Neal's going to join us. The, the St Kilda side of the equation. So they, they got out of the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss in the way that they didn't want to. So they lose two in a row. And the, the question that's been asked, it's batted away by Ross Lyon, it would be, 
is are they going to back out of the season the same way that they have previously? Yeah, it's a look. Uh, it, it's a hard one, Jared, because I mean you're only looking at um, history from last year. But look, St Kilda found them in that found themselves in that awkward position just through no fault of their own. I mean, last year they you know they found themselves in a good position at the halfway mark and then they dropped out. So we were, we always compare. I mean, every footy commentator, every supporter compares what happens last year. And Ross is right. I was listening to his his press conference. I mean. You know they're not going to go twenty-two and zip. Even when they were flying at the start, he knew that this was going to come because guys like um, you know young Philippu and Caminiti and and King. I mean King's still relatively young, but Caminiti and Philippu are first and second year players, first year players. Two of them. They were flying at the start. They got got onto the guard of the first five or six teams that they played. Now all of a sudden. Sides are starting to probably pay a fair bit more attention to them. And so they're just going through that grinding learning stage. And unfortunately, what we compare is, okay, when they're grinding and probably getting beaten, but their effort's still there and they're not winning, we just say, oh, it's going to happen. Things are going to happen like last year. They're going to drop out of the eight. I mean, Ross is a good enough coach to not panic, and he's going to be turning around and saying, look, our effort's there. We might have to tweak a few things. There might be have to be one or two changes to the team if some of the kids are starting to get a bit tired. But, I mean, St Kilda have done a really good job to get to where they want to get to. And I know St Kilda supporters don't want to hear this, but they are ahead of schedule from last year in my mind. Mm. What do you think, Kingy? Uh, It's a good discussion. Ahead of schedule to what? Well, if you look at the talent, I mean, they didn't have King for the first, was it the first nine or ten games? Yeah, yep. And so they were winning with Philippou and Caminiti as their key posts. Yeah. In the in, in now that's two first year players. Yeah. And no, so they're winning games, and so what I'm saying is that the the the, the eight wins there that they have on the board at the moment, I think they're probably two or three ahead of schedule because of where they probably came into the year. Yep. Sitting there as a coaching staff, Ross and their coaching staff going, okay, look, we've got a fair few injuries here. We'll just play some kids, you know. We'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll run because we're really really fit. We can do A, B, and C, and they got away with a few things. Now all of a sudden the competition's sort of catching up. Can they hold on? And they're in that sort of awkward position of, you know, you know, all of a sudden opposition sides are working them out at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with everything you're saying, but but in the end, they've got too good a coach for this list. He's winning games because he's 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 he's, a, he's an elite coach, right? And yeah. he's winning he's win, he's winning games with a team that's more often than not taking a knife to a gunfight. That's my opinion, and I think the the list correction is going to be their biggest challenge. They just lack for talent. I thought there was a real flavour in his press conference last night, maybe even more than we've seen so far of what the Saints need from a list perspective from Ross. I mean, he used words like building our list, year of exploration, we're finding out about things. And he said, long-term personnel-wise, we're finding where we need to get to as well. There was a real flavour of that last night. Maybe even a hint of exasperation, a bit of frustration about what they lacked that he knew when he when he inherited the role. Sounded like the Godfather too, by the way, didn't he? It was a oh, real yeah. big knife for Ross. Good start, wasn't it? Gravel. Yeah, um, and you're right, King. He's a, he <laughs> probably did seem like the Godfather. But he is absolutely, he's a very, very, very good coach. He's done it for a number of years at a number of footy clubs. And so, but probably what I'm getting at is that, that is he then, you know, is he forced into making a few changes to some of the kids that are looking a little bit tired and bring in some players from underneath that mightn't have that opportunity just to tweak a few things to find one or two wins mm. to get back on the winning 
you know, and do they scrape into the eight? Um, or does he just keep pushing on and all of a sudden Owens and Caminiti and Philippou, who are a bit tired at the moment, just know this is AFL footy. You're going to learn. This is what we, what's going to happen. We know you're going to be there in the next three or four years because, you know, their talent in that area is really, really starting to grow, but you're going to have to go through some hard lessons now. Yeah, I agree with all everything you're saying. I think their biggest win for the year is Mitch Owens, regardless of what, how many home and away games they win and whether they play finals or not. This kid's going to be a top liner. Now, whether he play, ends up as a midfielder, a Nathan Fife type, that big body, you know, won't necessarily get 35 touches a week, but he's, he's 25, will have a, a level of anger to them that others can't match. He's only 19 years of age. We, we're just scratching the surface with this guy. Caminiti looks like he's going to hold down a, a role for, you know, deep forward, a little bit of ruck, uh, and be a, at, least, at least a good, solid AFL player. Filippo's going to be a star. Like he, he just shows you yep. little snippets. So I think that they've found out that you know, Wanganeen Miller is going to be very good. Windhager's a player that will play a lot of football. Not sure of his scope just yet. And, and Max King's only 23. So they, yep. they've got, they've got say, half a dozen there, Leon, I reckon, to come through. But they need that half a dozen to swell to a dozen before they do anything meaningful in a final series. So everyone says, do they make finals this year? It doesn't really make any difference to their premiership uh, journey. I don't think it's... Tell that to the Saints supporters playing the ladder predictor now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, no. they're at it now, King. Yeah, I understand. You'd rather play them than not play them. I know but I don't think it changes the timeline for Ross Lyon and this list build to give them the premiership opportunity. Mm. So, yeah. so for all that we've been through with them, so they did their review, they validated all the list decisions that they made, they essentially sheeted it home to the coaching... And then put a rider in, but we'll see where the list is at the end of the year. Mm. It's entirely likely at the end of the year that it goes back to it's the list. Yeah. I think I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing elite level coaching matching a team that's got question marks. And now they say, you know what, we, we're good enough to beat half of the competition. But the problem is half doesn't, re- doesn't really do much for you. Can we beat the top three or four when they're at their best at the pointy end? Um, and right now you'd say that there are some warts. There are, there are a few things that they've got to get creative again. They've got to build a list not to make finals. They've got to build a list to win flags. There's a massive difference in mm. that. We talked about this years ago mm. when they, they traded that first-round pick, turned into two picks, then turned into five players. It was all to make finals. That, that's right. They they built their list to get that finals breakthrough, and they got it. Yeah. And then it didn't take them and anyway. It disappointed them. It was, a, it was fool's gold. So th- th- this is about winning flags and that's why they've gone and made the decisions they have. Brutal in their own right. But they're seeing what they've got under Ross Lyon, who's, mm. who's showing them that they're setting standards, Leon. I think this will hold them in really good stead for the next few years, whether it's finals this year or not. Yeah, and look, I, I still think they'll scrape in. I think, you know, at eight and eight and six at the moment, aren't they? Eight yeah. and six. Yeah. And so I think they'll find the four possibly five wins just because, you know, they are coached really, really well. And they will, they were always going to have some sort of lull um, because of some of the, the expectations. I mean, some kids can get away with playing on the wings, you know, in a halfback flank, a sort of, I'm not saying they're minor roles, but when you're asking Caminiti and Philippou and Owens and King to always step up to the plate mm. and be the key focal points every week and you're coming up against Payne and Andrews or mm. if it's not that, it's Darcy Moore and, you know, the, the big key backs of all the, the good sides. But, 
you know, for their sake, it would be good to play in a final. But I understand what you're saying is they need to add another really good quality kid in the draft at the end of the year, and they need to go and find maybe a free agent. And bit by bit by bit, they probably need three, four, five of good quality players to become that top two side. How early is too early to play the ladder predictor? Uh, is, is round two, 15 no, two, too early. Two more weeks. Two no, more weeks. Already yeah. started. It's an interesting run home for the Saints, though, isn't it? So <laughs> Richmond... Already started. You can't wait, Kenny. No. He's West, a news hound. West, West Coast next holes. week comes at a perfect time. West Coast in Perth as, as well. As long as you win. As long as... Exactly. And that's the massive rider, isn't it? There's, a, there's another tough game thrown in there as well. Um... And it is Melbourne, Melbourne the one after Melbourne it's the and then back the run three, home. Isn't yeah. it? It's the last three games of the year, so particularly if they're clinging onto a place in the eight with a couple <sighs> charging at them. Richmond, Geelong, both oh. of those at Marvel, oh, but no. then they've got to go to the Gabba to play Brisbane at the death. Oh, that's that's awful because you're playing the teams that are nipping at your heels. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's a disaster. That's well, a, although it sets up rather perfectly, doesn't it? If you're good enough, beat these teams and I'm, hold them I'm at bay. A, I'm a pessimist, Jim. <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> uh, there were two reports out of last night, Sam. They're, they're, they're curiosities. You know what? They might be in other two cases too, Jared, for the throw the match day reporting in the bin argument, uh, which is growing stronger, mind you, by the by the week. So Liam Stocker reported for rough conduct. It was a dangerous tackle on Eric Hipwood. It was a free kick in the moment. The landing arm is pinned and he's dumped, but his head doesn't hit the ground. It, it, so for me, he doesn't get sighted. It was a match day report. I think it gets thrown out. I mean, you could run it through the matrix to say careless, low impact, and to the body, and that is a fine. Careless, medium, even if Chris o wants to upgrade under the potential to cause injury because it is the exact mechanism they're looking to stamp out, and body, that would also be a fine. So, But that would be a creep, wouldn't it? it? it you would talked be, about this it earlier. It would be a steady creep if we this seen was it. graded. Because the, yeah. we could go back to Clayton Oliver on Luke Parker, clearly a dangerous tackle, free kick, no head contact to the ground, not a report. That was the threshold we were given. Not a report, not sorted, not mentioned, yep. not referenced. So this is straight up and down a free kick. Mm. But previously, this has not been graded. I'd so, be staggered if it's graded. Yep, yeah, I'm with you. And I think Max King re- reported uh, second quarter incident, Ryan Lester. If it connected, we might be talking a month yeah. or more, multiple weeks. But it's a grazing at worst. I think this one gets thrown out as well. Not enough contact. Not enough force. Not get, enough contact. Did he get fined for staging? I think it was essentially the back of the job. Well, he might have clipped him, a grazing, a clipping. So technically, if we're going to get into the real nitty-gritty, it's high contact, but not of a reportable offence. I think he should ring Chris O. Ryan Lester, wasn't it? Was. He, he should ring Chris and say, look, I'm just going to give you 1500 mate. You do what you want with it. I'm fining myself. Uh, if, Cody Wa- if Cody Wayman doesn't get fined for staging, Ryan Lester's fine. Yeah, any contact and it's not staging has been the threshold. <laughs> Our Friday night wrap is for the Stack Team app, the ultimate in team management. Lockie Neal is going to join us from the Lions next.